Compass Media Networks. This is America's First News. This morning with your host, Gordon Deal. Caught snooping. Good morning, I'm Gordon Deal, along with Jennifer Koshenka. On this Friday, February 3rd, glad you could be with us. And here's what we have for you this hour. Defense officials in Washington say they've been tracking a Chinese spy balloon that's been floating over the U.S. this week. More than 300,000 customers remain without power in the south following a deadly ice storm. The freezing weather now moves to the northeast. More gains for the Nasdaq and S&P 500, even as tech giants like Apple, Amazon, and Alphabet say they're facing economic challenges. And when your layoff notice comes in an email. We're just going to do it all at once and cut everyone off, and that way we're also minimizing some security risks. Fear that angry employees might you know, be trying to use their access to the systems to try and wreak some havoc on the way out. Those are some of the considerations that um, folks that we've spoken to have raised. To Ping Chen at the Wall Street Journal on the good and bad of getting laid off through an email. The Chinese may be spying on us with a balloon. The U.S. says it tracked a reconnaissance balloon over the continental states this week. The balloon was first spotted Wednesday by civilians in a commercial airliner. Fighter jets scrambled from Nevada to Montana, where the balloon was observed before the administration decided not to shoot it down. The Biden administration says it raised the matter with their counterparts in Beijing through diplomatic channels. Pentagon spokesman Brigadier General Pat Ryder. The balloon is currently traveling at an altitude well above commercial air traffic and does not present a military or physical threat to people on the ground. Instances of this kind of balloon activity have been observed previously over the past several years. The U.S. maintains an arsenal of 150 nuclear-armed intercontinental ballistic missiles at Malmstrom Air Force Base in Montana. The balloon will be over the U.S. for potentially a few more days. According to one U.S. official, a second official said it's moving southeast. Separately, Canada's defense ministry said there may be a second balloon. House Republicans have removed Minnesota Democrat Ilhan Omar from her position on the Foreign Affairs Committee, citing past statements that were criticized as anti-Semitic. The House voted along party lines yesterday to oust her. In one example, in February 2019, Ms. Omar said, quote, it's all about the Benjamins, baby in reference to U.S. politicians defending Israel, a comment that many from both parties viewed as a trope connecting Jews to money. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. We're not removing her from other committees. We just do not believe when it comes to foreign affairs, especially the responsibility of that position around the world with the comments that you make. She shouldn't serve there. She is the third Democrat to be kicked off a committee by Republicans. Mr. McCarthy last week blocked Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell of California from serving on the Intelligence Committee. In 2021, you'll recall Republicans Paul Gosar and Marjorie Taylor Greene were removed from committees by Democrats for actions seen as controversial. More than 200,000 customers in Texas are without power as utility crews try to repair power lines damaged by storms this week. Austin Energy General Manager Jackie Sargent says dangerous road conditions and accumulating ice and freezing temperatures have slowed down restoration efforts. Full restoration will take longer than initially anticipated. 
We understand that this makes an already challenging situation even more difficult. Some weather relief is on the way. Today's high will be 53 in Austin. It'll be above 60 for the foreseeable future. Winter storms this week resulted in thousands of flight delays and cancellations and power outages. At least 10 people have died as a result of the dangerous road conditions this week in Texas, Oklahoma, and Arkansas. As the south warms up, it's the northern states' turn to freeze. Wind chills up to minus 50 have moved in from Canada, and the system is moving from the northern plains and upper Midwest to the northeast tonight. When you're an innovative business, every blinking cursor, every blank page is an opportunity. What will you do with it? Will you make something better or create something new? Our Dell Technologies advisors provide you with tools and expertise to do incredible things. Because we believe there's an innovator in all of us. For advice on smart PCs powered by Intel vPro that's built for business, call a Dell Technologies advisor at 877-ASK-DELL. Thanks for joining us. Welcome into Friday. Prospective GOP candidates for president are leaning heavily into education amid concerns over issues like parental rights and the politicization of school curriculums. Here's Julia Manchester, national politics reporter at The Hill. Julia, take us through it. Yeah, so this is really an extension from 2021 when Governor Glenn Youngkin ran on this issue during his first ever election in Virginia. We saw that his campaign really took a bit of a gamble by focusing on education in that race. And then, of course, we saw um, it become a big issue in the, gub the, the gubernatorial debates and really worked out for Youngkin going forward. In 2022, we saw the issue sort of take a backseat in a way because there were more federal elections to House and the Senate. And we know that senators and members of Congress oftentimes don't have direct control over what's happening in a school district. So as we go into 2024, I think you're going to see Republicans try to use this to rev up their grassroots base. And even though running for president is obviously a federal office, Republicans argue this is something that plays well with the base and plays well with getting independent voters um, over to their side as well. They also talk about, you know, painting Democrats as being beholden to teachers unions. So um, it's something that Republicans like Governor Yunkin and even Governor Ron DeSantis from Florida are full steam ahead on. Touch on Governor Yunkin first. What was it in his campaign specifically about education that seemed to resonate? So it all started with the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, that's where Republicans, specifically Youngkin's campaign, really traces this back to. Um, you saw that kids were home from school quite a bit. And the fact that they were home from school for so long is obviously, um, you know, uh, can be difficult on parents and was difficult on parents. But parents um, started to see what their kids were learning in the classroom. So that's where you saw a lot of these conservative activists uh, glom on to this critical race theory in the classrooms or sexually explicit material that's being taught in the classroom or political material that's being taught in the classroom in a way that would sort of persuade um, students to one side of the political spectrum. Um, you know, they say they want to keep politics out of the classroom. So that's where Youngkin's campaign really, um, you know, zeroed in on this idea that, you know, the school districts, the teachers needed to be held accountable more. We're speaking with Julia Manchester, national politics reporter at The Hill. Her story is called Republicans See Education as Winning Issue in 2024. Governor DeSantis in Florida, similar playbook as as Mr. Yunkin. 
Very similar playbook, but stylistically a bit different. We see that Governor Yunkin, first of all, these two men have very different personalities. I think Governor Yunkin is a businessman. He's more of a negotiator, someone who's um, definitely a bit more um, maybe laid back. Uh, I don't want to say softer spoken, but he's not as out there as Governor DeSantis. Governor DeSantis is very brash, very direct, um, you know, sort of Trump light in that way. Um, and we've seen that with this legislation that he's put, uh, been putting through, wh whether it's the Parental Rights and Education Act, also known as the Don't Say Gay Bill in Florida by critics, um, you know, that would essentially prevent uh, you know, material, primary school teachers from talking about material that pertains to sexuality until a certain age. Um, and then, of course, we saw recently the governor and his administration come out against an AP African-American studies course that was being offered to students. They argue that the, the curriculum or the course material is politically motivated or politically slanted. Um, that's obviously stirred quite a bit of controversy. And, you know, despite the fact that his critics are riled up and he's gotten a rise out of his critics, um, you know, Governor DeSantis is getting quite a bit of coverage in the news media on that. So it's all a part of a broader strategy. And it's not just Yunkin and DeSantis. You also hear Governor Kristi Noem of um, South Dakota, for example, talking about this issue. Mike Pence talking about this issue. Um, President Trump released his education plan, which is similar to the stances taken by Yunkin and DeSantis. So this is turning out to be a big primary issue for Republicans. Are Democrats, for their part, uh, going to make an issue of education or is it too soon to tell? It's too soon to tell. And, you know, from what we've seen, I think Democrats uh, may they'll approach education differently. They're going to approach it as, you know, you know, supporting teachers, for example, um, and, you know, getting teachers resources they need funding schools. That's the message they'll likely take. Um, however, after Terry McAuliffe, the former governor of Virginia who lost to Yunkin in 2021, after his fumble on education, I think you're going to see Democrats really want to create more of a plan to approach that issue in 2024. Thanks, Julia. Julia Manchester, national politics reporter at The Hill. 20 minutes after the hour on This Morning, America's First News. Here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. China says it's looking into reports that a Chinese spy balloon has been flying in U.S. airspace and urged calm, saying it has no intention of violating the territory and airspace of any sovereign country. A foreign ministry spokesperson says the public should withhold judgment before we have a clear understanding of the facts about the spy balloon reports. Pentagon spokesman Pat Ryder. Once the balloon was detected, the U.S. government acted immediately to protect against the collection of sensitive information. The sighting comes prior to a planned trip to China by Secretary of State Antony Blinken next week. Blinken would be the highest-ranking member of the Biden administration to visit China. Number two. As a large portion of the nation's south starts to slowly defrost after a deadly encounter with a wicked winter weather system, northern states are bracing for an Arctic blast expected to plunge temperatures way below zero in some spots. The death toll across the south has increased to 10 and hundreds of thousands of homes and businesses are still without power as this week's ice storm continues to extract a toll. Jackie Sargent is with Austin Energy. 
The majority of outages from this winter storm are complex, involving heavy construction equipment in areas that are sometimes impassable due to downed trees and branches. New England's facing the coldest weather it's experienced in decades with wind chills that could dive lower than minus 50. Number three. Federal data shows nearly 1,000 children separated from their parents at the U.S. border under the Trump administration's zero-tolerance policy on illegal immigration immigration haven't been reunited despite a multi-year effort to do so. Homeland Security says the federal program has reunited only 600 migrant children with their parents. Under the family separation policy implemented in 2018, parents and children crossing the border illegally were put on separate immigration tracks as though they weren't related, a shift from past policy that kept family cases together. 119 James Bond items, including original screenplays, film scripts, costume design, story boards and more will be offered for $450,000 at a book fair in California next week. The rare book dealer says the collection is the most extensive collection of James Bond items ever assembled. It's being offered by a Norwegian businessman who started collecting the books in 1955. All right. Thank you, gents. A lot of workers losing jobs right now are getting the bad news via their inboxes. Employers value the speed. Many employees feel differently. Here's Ping Chen, reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Ping, what's happening? Sure. Well, from a company perspective, there's a lot of things to consider, right? You might be dealing with employees in a ton of time zones. You might be laying off 12,000 people at once, in which case email. You know, try and spare at least folks the feeling of having an act hanging over them, waiting, waiting, waiting. To be notified, email can be mass simultaneous. It also has the virtue of, for again, from an employer's perspective, saying, all right, we're just going to do it all at once and cut everyone off, and that way we're also minimizing sort of security risks, fear that angry employees might you know, be trying to use their access to the systems to try and wreak some havoc on the way out. Those are some of the considerations that um, folks that we've spoken to have raised. Well, it can be emotional, too, right, the in-person, so this sort of saves that. Yeah, there's, there's also that bearing managers, the um, those some of those tricky conversations. But, yeah. of course, from an employee perspective, what you say 20 years in some cases, and to just be laid off by email without even... Um, in, in many circumstances, a follow-up conversation with your manager can come across as, as pretty harsh. Yeah. You talk to a handful of folks individually about their experiences. Um, this 20-year veteran Google employee, Jeremy Joslin, explain what he went through. Yeah. I mean, he, he just that scenario that we were walking through, you know, you wake up one morning, you check your email, and you see something in your inbox, and you've, you've been laid off. And in uh, Jeremy Joslin's case, he thought, quite reasonably so, that this might be a phishing attempt. Um, some scammer just trying to get access to some of his info because the, the email had directed him to some random website for laid off employees at Google saying, hey, set up an account. We're speaking with Ping Chen, reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Her story is called When the Layoff is an Email, It's Nothing Personal. How about the uh, the, the acupuncture, acu- acupuncturist uh, Erica McDonald that you spoke to? Yeah. So, I mean, it was so interesting. Um, she and others, so she was a woman who had been laid off both in person and via email. And something, I mean, she had had a miserable experience being laid off by email. The email was brusque and <laughs> poorly written and just seemed extremely not the way to handle affairs, especially given that she'd been at work, you know, in person the previous day and they could have just talked about it. Uh, but something she said and others did as well who had experience being laid off both in person and by email is just, you know, it, often it is about the content too, right, of what's being said, not just literally the vehicle. And in her case, it was especially bad because the email, not only was an email, it was a bad email, it was, you know, not 
sensitively written, um, extremely just felt sort of like just getting brushed off. Wow. Is there a proper so way? Go both ways. Yeah. yeah. Is there a no proper way, way to do, do it? I mean, do you, if well, you're a manager, do you give a heads up? <laughs> yeah. I mean, one, one best practice that um, one Harvard Business School professor we were speaking with was laying out was, look, you can use email as a way to give employees at least the courtesy of a, of a timely, quick notification, right? So if you are delivering bad news, at least let everybody know and you're not waiting for an axe to fall. But that needs to be done in tandem with, you know, a top leader of the company standing up and actually, you know, taking some of the fire and apologizing and saying, hey, this is what's happening. This is why it's happening. We take responsibility. You know, we, we apologize. Anyone who's been affected will get an email in the next five minutes or whatever. That gives employees at least, you know, that chance to see that leader up there, to acknowledge the hurt, to acknowledge the mistakes that have been made. And then to get that quick notification. But that email, likewise, you know, has to be paired with a conversation saying, okay, look, yes, you know, you are one of the employees who's been affected. We're so sorry. You will have the chance to talk with your manager in HR today. Thanks, Ping. Ping Chen, reporter at The Wall Street Journal. 30 minutes now after the hour on This Morning, America's First News. Want to eat healthier, but every supplement you've ever tried seems like the better it is for you, the worse it tastes, then you have to try AG1 from Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 because I wanted more energy and better gut health. What I didn't expect, the taste is better than any supplement I've ever had. I drink it, like it says, before anything else when I wake up. I guzzle those 8 to 10 ounces before my coffee and start my day knowing I've already gotten the recommended daily intake of all the good fruits and veggies. There's definitely a mental boost knowing you've started the day off on the right foot. I tackle the day now with more confidence and energy. AG1, by the way, is not only lifestyle friendly, it's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself. Try AG1. I love this product. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Gordon. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Gordon to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Athleticgreens.com slash Gordon. Tired of trying to separate fact from fiction? Get your information from a source you can trust. You're listening to America's First News, this morning with Gordon Deal. Thanks for joining us. Welcome into Friday, February 3. Gordon Deal, Jennifer Koshenka, some of our top stories and headlines. The U.S. is tracking a Chinese spy balloon floating over the country. Hundreds of thousands in the south without electricity from an ice storm. Below zero wind chills for the Northeast this weekend. Republicans oust Ilhan Omar from the House Foreign Affairs Committee. An Iowa woman declared dead at a nursing home was later found breathing in a body bag. Tom Brady may sign a one-day contract to officially retire as a Patriot. And the reward for a Michigan woman who found $15,000 in a Ziploc. That story in about 20 minutes. President Biden spent much of last year exhorting U.S. and foreign energy providers to produce more oil and natural gas. He's finally getting his wish, though not exactly where he might have expected. New analysis by a consulting firm finds that worldwide fossil fuel exploration in 2022 hit the highest levels in over a decade. Here to explain is Rick Newman, senior columnist at Yahoo Finance. Rick, what are we learning so th- this is a new study by a consulting firm called Wood McKenzie into um, oil and gas exploration in 2022. So this is um, big energy firms going around the world and spending the money to 
investigate and figure out if they can develop new um, new fossil fuel fields. And uh, the amount of value uh, that those firms established it through their exploration in 2022 was at a 10-year high. And just for reference, um, uh, global exploration for um, oil and gas plummeted in 2021. And that's because um, 2020, which was the first year of the COVID outbreak, was just a total wipeout in the energy energy industry. People forget about this now that um, Chevron and Exxon are minting record profits, but they lost record amounts of money in 2020 uh, when when oil prices uh, there was there was so little demand for oil that oil prices actually turned negative for a short period of time, which is a crazy phenomenon that happens. Uh, when uh, it costs money to find supply, like there's just not enough place to store um, oil. So that so that that is the turnaround we've had in this industry. And um, when you see that energy companies are once again going around the world and looking for new places where they can drill for oil and gas, that tells you that there's kind of a return to normal happening here, which I think is encouraging from a consumer perspective. Um, and interestingly, um, most of the big new discoveries in 2020, in fact, none of them were in the United States. Uh, the United States is now the, uh, the world's largest oil producer, um, but this was not American firms um, looking for new deposits here in the United States or in waters off the United States. Uh, many of these new finds are in Africa and also in Guyana, believe it or not. So you're going to be hearing about Guyana as an important source of um, of oil supplies in the future. And uh, Guyana, for people that don't know, is actually in South America, yeah. not in Africa, as some people might think. And one other country that um, where there are some major new new discoveries is Brazil. We're speaking with Rick Newman, senior columnist at Yahoo Finance. His piece is called More Oil is Coming. So you reference these places where they're discovering these uh, like high quality hydrocarbons. I think uh, it was referenced. Um, when does this stuff get to market, though? Not tomorrow. Not tomorrow, um, but um, this will come to market within the next few years. And let's go back to that phrase you use, high quality hydrocarbons. What that means is um, it's not necessarily how efficiently the oil or the gas burns. It's what it takes to get the oil or the gas out of the ground. And um, oil uh, energy companies now are paying a lot of attention to the amount of carbon uh, it takes not to burn fossil fuels at the uh, at the uh, point of end use, you know, when it's in a furnace, say, or it's in a vehicle, but how much it takes to get the the fuel out of the ground. Um, so fossil fuel extraction is carbon intensive, which means lots of carbon emissions in terms of the energy it takes to get out of the ground. That means building new infrastructure, uh, uh, the whatever equipment it takes, and they are putting a lot of a lot of new emphasis on lowering the uh, the carbon that they have to burn to get uh, fossil fuels out of the ground. So one, one way they can do this, and um, this is one of the things that did happen in 22, uh, is to find a new deposit, a new oil or gas field underneath an existing field. And that's important because if there's already an existing field, that means the infrastructure is already there. They don't have to build new infrastructure. Mm. They just have to go deeper and uh, they that's what they want to do because uh, they're getting a lot of pressure to reduce the amount of carbon emissions at every step of the way in terms of fossil fuel use. And there's a lot of carbon burned just getting it out of the ground. So if you can burn less carbon to get it out of the ground, it actually makes hydrocarbons um, more efficient in, t in terms of 
I, I don't I guess you wouldn't call them clean fuel exactly, but it becomes cleaner. Yeah. Um, and uh, as a comparison to coal, for example, which a lot of utilities are, are now burning more of um, these new deposits will actually um, be less will generate less pollution than they would have in the past. Uh, so generally a, a good news story all around. Thanks, Rick. Rick Newman, senior columnist at Yahoo Finance. 20 minutes in front of the hour on This Morning, America's First News. Today's mic drop is brought to you by Dell. For your small business needs, call a Dell Technologies advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. Hey, glad you could be with us. Welcome into Friday. It's time now for the mic drop with This Morning's Mike Gavin. Good morning. Well, there's been excitement in New York City recently after a massive new train terminal opened up. The biggest in the U.S. since the 1950s. The project cost over $11 billion, which can buy you a lot of things, but apparently not a proofreader. As part of the terminal's decor, famous quotes from New Yorkers and people talking about New York are etched into the walls. One is from famed artist Georgia O'Keeffe, but while her quote was accurate, the spelling of her name was not. Mm. Spelling O'Keeffe with one F instead of two. Once passengers and news organizations noticed the misspelling, officials admitted they messed up and would be fixing the error, though they didn't say how much that would cost. Oh, the proofreader <laughs> charging the government? That's, uh, that's 2000 bucks an hour. Well, I'm just sure. talking about yeah. you know, fixing the mistake, Plus the right? fix, I should say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're talking, yeah. I mean, who knows? I just guessed, you know, ballpark at least thousands, <laughs> right? You know, maybe 10000 I mean, who knows to sort of like fix that? And I guess because you have to not only fix it, but make it look like there wasn't a mistake there in the first yeah, place, right? Because right? it's going to be there right. for how many decades? You got to get it right. Right. And with all due respect to Ms. O'Keefe, mm-hmm. do we need the second F? Well, I mean, I, well, I mean, again, I, not everybody noticed. I'm sure, right? Not every single person who passed through the terminal <laughs> noticed this, but I think it was a, actually a news organization that sort of got wind of this and okay. pointed their, their video cameras at it, yeah. and that's how it got out there. Oh so. boy. And, uh, you know, Gordon, we're still over a week from the Super Bowl. We know that plenty of money will be exchanged via office pools, betting apps, and the like. But unlike the rest of us, there's one better out there who literally can't lose. If the screenshot of one set of bets is to be believed, there's someone out there that made a bet before the season started that the Eagles and Chiefs would both be in the Super Bowl and is set to cash in big time. The bets were made September 8th, the day of the first game of the NFL season. $125 at 160-1 to odds that the Eagles would beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Then another bet, $130 at 150-1 to odds that the Chiefs would beat the Eagles. So no matter what happens next Sunday, this gambler is poised to win around $20,000. Comments to the post by John Boy Media on Facebook speculated that maybe the tickets belong to Donna Kelsey, the mother of Jason and Travis, who will be facing each other in the big game. Another said the big winner of this whole thing would likely be the IRS. Mm. And another user joked that the winnings would be helpful to this person who likely has to pay off $50,000 in bets from just last month. Yeah, yeah, we've talked about this before, right? Yeah. People who make these long shot bets, this is not the first time they've made no. a bet. And they're probably, you know, in the hole from a long season of making bad bets. And that's right. Generally speaking, we only hear about the winnings. Right, We don't yes. hear about all those losings. We, we do not. By the way, uh, we had a company call the other day yes. in which it was noted that Brian Baldinger, mm-hmm. who's the lead NFL analyst for Compass Media Networks, right, sure. our company. Yeah, yeah, see him on TV a lot as well. Right. Correctly predicted at the beginning of the season that oh. it would be the Eagles and Chiefs oh, in the boy. Super Bowl. Look, yeah. look, at, look at him. I don't remember that call <laughs> or yes. that prediction, yes. but it was brought up during a call the other day that, right. hey, Baldy got it right. So, you know, so next season he's yeah. the guy to go to is right. what you're trying to say so when we're maybe trying to this, figure out what to do. Maybe this better... Uh-huh. You know, 
belongs to our company or oh, perhaps I... was tapping into that phone call. Oh, right? I, I see. see what yes. I'm saying a there? little slice mm-hmm. there with a Baldinger, baby. Good job by Baldy. Thanks, Mike. If you're financing the holiday season on credit cards, Lightstream is here to help. A credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream can help you pay off your credit cards and lock in a low fixed interest rate. Rates start at 7.99% APR with auto pay and excellent credit. Get up to $100,000 with no added fees, and you might even get your money on the day you apply. Just for my listeners, apply now to get a special interest rate discount and save even more. To get it, visit lightstream.com slash deal. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M, lightstream.com slash deal. Subject to credit approval, rates range from 7.99% to 23.99% APR and include a 0.50% auto pay discount. Lowest rate requires excellent credit, terms and conditions apply, and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash deal for more info. Lightstream.com slash deal. Thanks for joining us. Welcome into Friday. We've had enough of being prompted for tips when we swipe for a purchase. USA Today says as more businesses adopt digital payment methods, customers are automatically prompted to leave a gratuity at places they normally would not. Unlike tip jars so that shoppers can easily ignore if they don't have spare change, experts say digital requests can produce social pressure and are more difficult to bypass. And your choice is there to see for anyone close enough to glance at the screen. Academics who study the topic say many consumers are now feeling irritated by automatic tip requests at coffee shops and other counter-service eateries where tipping has not been typically expected and where service is usually limited. They suggest the best time for a coffee shop, for example, to ask for that 20% tip might be on four or five orders of coffee, not on one that costs four bucks. Ismael Carabas, a marketing professor at Murray State University, says people do not like unsolicited advice. Eight minutes now in front of the hour on This Morning. Once again, here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. Hundreds of thousands of Texans remain without power as utility crews work to fix power lines and poles downed or iced over by storms this week. Most of the outages are concentrated in central and northern Texas communities. Austin City Manager Spencer Cronk. Once we have completed the work of restoring power, we will look to the lessons learned and build on our response for future weather-related incidents. Austin Energy said yesterday afternoon it can no longer estimate a specific time when power would be fully restored. It had previously said power would return by Friday evening. Number two. House Republicans have ousted Democratic Congresswoman Ilhan Omar from her position on the Foreign Affairs Committee, citing her criticism of Israel's government and past statements that were criticized as anti-Semitic. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy pushed back against Democrats' claims Omar's removal was a retaliatory move. If it was tit for tat, we would have picked people, took them off all committees and said nothing about it. We don't believe in that. McCarthy promised last year he would strip Omar of this position if the GOP won the midterms. She is the third Democrat to be kicked off a committee by Republicans. Number three. Members of the Congressional Black Caucus left a meeting Thursday with President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris with an agreement on how to address the issue of policing after the recent killing of Tyree Nichols. Stephen Horsford of Nevada, chair of the Black Caucus, says they will continue to work from both a legislative standpoint as well as executive and community-based solutions with a focus on public safety. Tyree Nichols um, is yet another example of why we do need action. Uh, But you've already led on the action that we've been able to take through executive order. Uh, We need your help 
uh, to make sure we can get the legislative actions uh, that are necessary to save lives. The group did not disclose details about the agreement, but said there will be more information about the legislative package in the days ahead. You've heard about the zoos that allow you to name cockroaches after your exes as a lead-up to Valentine's Day. Now we have an animal shelter in Ohio that will let you name a cat litter box after an ex-romantic partner. The naming, a fundraiser for the shelter in Hamilton, will cost you $5 per box. The shelter will reveal all the sponsored litter boxes, names included, in a Facebook post on Valentine's Day. (laughs) Thank you, Jen. When you're an innovative business, every blinking cursor, every blank page is an opportunity. What will you do with it? Will you make something better or create something new? Our Dell Technologies advisors provide you with tools and expertise to do incredible things because we believe there's an innovator in all of us. For advice on smart PCs powered by Intel vPro that's built for business, Call a Dell Technologies advisor at 877-ASK-DELL. Thanks for joining us. A Michigan woman's act of honesty helped save a newlywed couple's wedding cash after she returned nearly $15,000 she found in a plastic bag outside a gas station walking to work. Diane Gordon, who walks more than two miles five days a week since her car broke down last year, says even though she could have used the money, she knew she needed to give it to local authorities. Ms. Gordon was walking to her job at Value Center Fresh Market when she decided to stop at a BP gas station for a snack and relief from the harsh weather. Before stepping inside, she told Fox 2 Detroit she spotted a Ziploc bag on the ground. She had the clerk call local police. They say the contents of the bag contained gifts from a wedding that day. It was all returned to the newlyweds. In return, a police officer's wife set up a GoFundMe page to help Ms. Gordon get a new car. The page has already raised more than $26,000. That'll do it for this hour. For Jennifer Koshenka and Mike Gavin, I'm Gordon Deal. Thanks for listening to This Morning, America's First News.